Welcome to another Tech 15 interview from CFA Institute. Uh, my name is Srinivas Kunte. I am the Director for Continuing Education and Advocacy at CFA Institute. For today's Tech 15, we have with us Professor Randall S. Krosner. Uh, professor Krosner is a Professor for Economics, Norman R. Professor for Economics at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. Previously, Professor Krosner served as a Governor of the U.S. Federal Reserve System He's also served as a member of the U.S. President's Council of Economic Advisors. He's authored more than 100 publications and is a frequent commentator in international media. In this interview, Professor Krosner is going to share his insights on challenges to policymaking in emerging markets. Welcome, Professor Krosner. Delighted to be here. So just uh, if you can walk us through, you know, what are the biggest uh, sources of fragility for emerging markets in, uh, in general? Sure. One of the key challenges is getting policy right. And that's just as difficult in uh, developed markets as it is in emerging markets. But it seems that um, uh, market participants can react very strongly if they feel there's not a good policy framework. And so one policy framework would particularly surround financial services and capital flows. And so the strength of the banking system is seen as extremely important because Capital will flow out very rapidly if people lose confidence. Uh, when people are ebullient, it flows in very easily, but where it flows out from is where it's seen as most fragile. And so if there's not a clear policy framework for, uh, for uh, appropriate regulation of uh, banking and financial institutions, uh, of regulation of the, uh, of the equity markets, of the bond markets, that's extremely important. Something that's closely related to that is also foreign exchange exposure. As you know, back in the late 1990s, uh, the mismatch between assets and liabilities in the local currency and in foreign currency was a very important part of that, uh, that challenge. Many emerging markets have made progress on that, but some are now increasing their, uh, their foreign exchange mismatch, and that's something to be monitored carefully. Third thing is also the amount of debt outstanding overall. In some countries, um, the uh, some countries can handle debt more easily than others. There's also the mix of, um, of government debt versus individual debt, and making sure that you've got uh, a reasonable amounts of debt uh, outstanding, not extreme amounts of debt outstanding, uh, that the debts are affordable uh, then, and can be repaid both at the uh, federal level or at the, uh, the national level and at the, uh, at the individual level are, are important. So I think those are three key pieces that um, uh, can be fragilities, but can also be dealt with through good policy. Right. Are there any you know, uh, big, uh, big scenarios that you're seeing, emerging scenarios that, are, that could actually lead to problems in the last couple of years? Because after the crisis, uh, there's been a lot of fortification from central bankers, but uh, are there areas that have not been looked into uh, you know, compared to the last crisis or uh, compared to or even in terms of what you're seeing right now? For sure. I mean, there's a lot of concern that uh, the low interest rate environment in developed countries has led to the potential buildup of uh, some uh, asset price dislocations. For example, in the U.S., there have been concerns about uh, the uh, commercial real estate sector, uh, that uh, there's a lot of uh, frothiness there. And, uh, and so it will depend on the individual countries. But there are many countries, particularly in emerging markets, that have seen uh, some very high price 
increases with respect to real estate. China, we're seeing that. Hong Kong, we're, we're seeing that in some other areas. And so that's one to watch very carefully because there's typically a lot of leverage associated with, uh, with real estate. And so if something goes wrong and, uh, in that area, that can have a very big impact on the banking and financial system. That goes back to what we were talking about earlier of making sure to have a, a solid policy framework where there's good monitoring of the risks that are there and macroprudential policies are undertaken to try to avoid um, the, the big negative consequences if there is a downturn in an asset market price. So you've, uh, I think, written something on uh, lower for longer. And uh, there's uh, now, uh, after the internet decade, uh, this probably is the third biggest uh, uh, expansion that is happening in the US. Uh, how long will that last? I'm sure, I'm, I know that you know it, forecasting is difficult, but uh, at the same time, you know what are some signs that are emerging? You know what should one watch for? Sure, the crystal ball is always cloudy. It's never perfect to uh, to, to make make forecasts. The U.S. seems to have been moving along pretty steadily at around two percent growth for most of the post-crisis period, and it looks like uh, that's where most forecasters are for, for the current year. Uh, even though we're a little bit below that in the first quarter, it looks like we'll be a little bit above that in the, uh, in the second quarter, and probably around two for the year, uh, but for some sort of major shock that might, uh, might, might come in. Um, there don't seem to be uh, extreme imbalances uh, that have been built up yet. As I mentioned, there are some issues with respect to the, uh, uh, the commercial real estate sector. Uh, there are some uh, concerns that uh, there are some fraud evaluations in parts of the equity markets, uh, both public equity markets and private equity markets, and so those all bear, uh, bear watching. Uh, but I think there's been a, a relatively uh, slow and gradual process of, of recovery in the U.S., uh, slower than I think anyone would like, but also I think that's helped to be able to sustain the recovery rather than having sort of a sharp up and then a down. It's been more sort of a very gradual up. So for emerging markets, uh, I mean, of the two drivers of growth, there's investment-led growth and there's consumer-led growth. Uh, in the U.S., uh, there's been a mix of two. Uh, what should emerging markets focus on? Which growth is better, which is more sustainable, and when? Ah, well, as, as always, uh, you know, being an economist, you have the one hand. On the other hand, you always want to have sort of the proper balance. So let's say, look at a country like, uh, like China that has been driven mostly by investment growth for much of the last few decades, but it's got to get more of a balance because that's not going to be sustained. At some point, you have to have some sort of payoff from that investment, not for just exports, but also for domestic consumption. And that's one of the key challenges is managing that transition from an export-led and investment-led economy to one that's more balanced, that you have investment, which of course is very important, uh, but you also have consumption, which sustains the investment and makes it, uh, makes it profitable. And so I think it varies with, with the country and their level of development. But certainly uh, countries that have grown reasonably rapidly have to make sure that consumption is sustainable. India, of course, is another example where it's very important to sustain, uh, sustain consumption so that the investment has an appropriate payoff domestically. So that leads to another interesting question on uh, on protectionism and uh, now China has had an investment-led growth. So what are the views on protectionism? You know, we've seen the French elections uh, where something else has emerged, but there's a lot of debate going on in the United States. So how do you think this will pan out? So certainly trade is very important for, for growth. There's a lot of uh, evidence that's, uh, that's consistent with that. Uh, but of course, there are a lot of concerns that uh, 
trade sometimes is not uh, uh, open and fair, uh, but sometimes uh, focused on one side or another, or not not completely uh, not completely balanced, and uh, and that's why we have organizations like the World Trade Organization, others to try by no means perfectly, but at least try to make things reasonably balanced and reasonably uh, uh, in uh, in uh, and making sure that markets are open for balanced uh, for balanced trade. The uh, uh, one of the key challenges is uh, that we don't want to get into uh, protectionist mode. Uh, we want to try to work out uh, trade disputes before we get to that kind of, uh, that kind of level. And I think uh, that, can be, uh, that can be achieved. For example, in the US, we've had the NAFTA agreement for more than a quarter of a century. And I think all three of the players involved in NAFTA, Canada, US, as well as Mexico, say, well, maybe it's time to revisit and uh, to try to modernize uh, that, uh, that agreement. Hopefully, in all of these agreements and in all the, the trade relations, we can sort of sit down, be able to talk about um, uh, differences uh, of approach, talk about uh, things that are perceived as being unfair and appropriate, and then try to work those out without having a protectionist uh, response. So, uh, you know, low wage growth is, is being considered as one of the factors, uh, or stagnant wage growth as well, and there have been periods in history, not just United States, where wage growth has either not picked up or it has picked up uh, quite a bit. So I guess, uh, you know, what can emerging market policymakers learn from what's happening in the uh, United States or uh, what should, em how should emerging market policymakers think about wage, wage growth? Sure. Ultimately, uh, one of the key factors behind wage growth is productivity growth. And right. so having uh, an economy where there's a fair amount of competition, where there is encouragement of investment and also good property rights protection of investment so that people will invest now assuming that they'll be able to get the rewards of their investment over the next five to ten years. But that's very important to have that kind of uh, solid, solid framework because without that and without that investment it's very hard to get wage growth. Right. Now we've been having slow wage growth pretty much in most areas of, of the world, developed uh, economies as well as yes. emerging market economies. Yes. Uh, productivity has not come back as much as we would like in the, in the <coughs> post-crisis period. And I think that's something that has to be a real focus, thinking about how to do that. For example, in the U.S., there's been a focus on trying to think about regulatory reform to allow for more competition, more innovation, more entrepreneurship, as well as tax reform that will encourage investment and bring some of the couple of trillion dollars that's uh, captured or kind of caught offshore uh, by U.S. corporations to bring that back to the U.S. for more, uh, for more investment. We haven't made it there yet. Uh, we're still debating those policies, but I think those issues are exactly the same ones for developed countries as well as for emerging markets. Thinking about how to boost entrepreneurship, productivity growth, thinking about how to boost in investment are keys to getting uh, wage growth. So is there a technology factor involved? I mean, is, are we me measuring productivity correctly and, you know, is technology playing a role? And also relatedly, you know, how will technology play a role for emerging markets? Uh, do you see some disruption there or do you see something happening on that front? Well, we have lots of potential for disruption and a lot of discussion of disruption. Mm -hmm. And in a few areas we've seen, uh, we've seen disruption, but not as much as sort of all the hype is about. And so I think we have more time to be able to deal with the transition and deal with the transition to things being more uh, robotized, that there are more, more robots around, which I think is very important. So in order to deal with that, that means that you have to have a workforce that can deal with automation. 
and, uh, and that means investing in people, investing in education. That's crucial both in developed countries as well as in emerging markets. I mean, certainly, uh, India has been, uh, been a leader in uh, software development and, uh, and furthering that and making sure that uh, the entirety of, uh, of India, not just a small group, have access to those kinds of, uh, uh, that kind of technical training is extremely important for, uh, sustaining, uh, for sustaining growth. I think technology has a lot of potential. There are also some risks associated with it, both in financial services and, uh, and, and elsewhere. Um, but it has a lot of potential to uh, make people li people's lives easier and better, uh, provide a lot of uh, services less expensively. For example, um, moving to mobile on a lot of things uh, makes it much easier for people who have very busy lives to be able to um, make purchases, to make uh, asset transfers, to monitor things than they otherwise uh, could have. And so that really is very helpful for very, very busy, uh, very busy people. And, uh, and that's one big positive. But has that been a revolution to change how financial services work and how uh, retailing works? Not quite yet, but we may be on our path there. And of course, there can be some risks with respect to both the um, uh, both labor markets, but also in financial services. If you have uh, a lot of people having easy access to funds transfer, you better make sure that they understand what they're doing, that they have the information to be able to do that, because otherwise consumer protection issues can become very important. Last question, Randy. What is your advice for our members or viewers who want to pursue a career such as yours? Well, I was very, very fortunate. I just uh, started off in middle class uh, in the U.S. and just went to a regular public high school, which I guess is different than the way the U.K. talks about uh, public schools. That's a, a government school, not, uh, not one that's, uh, that's privately funded. Uh, I was very fortunate to have a, a great group of, uh, of, of friends and colleagues in that, that high school um, who were also very interested in pursuing uh, careers in policy and careers in, uh, in, uh, in research. And, uh, and that was very, very helpful to me. So I think having sort of a good network of, of friends, the right people you're interacting with uh, very, very early on, and then pursuing what's interesting to you. A lot of people end up pursuing what they think other people want them to do, and sometimes that works, but it doesn't, uh, if you don't really have your heart in it, if you don't really have your focus on that, I think it's very hard to be successful. I mean, I was very fortunate in being very interested in, in economics. We didn't have any economics classes in, in my high school, but I had other friends who were also interested in, in economics. And uh, we read things on our own. We kind of pursued that, uh, that on our own. It really did it in a way that was, uh, I think, f fairly independent. Um, but it was something that I was, was passionate about. And I think that's how you become successful, is really being passionate about things and pursuing those but also having the opportunities from other people you know or through internet research or just getting access to, uh, to information that uh, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, when I was in high school was uh, much more difficult to get. Now it's uh, much, uh, much easier to get. But pursuing your passions I really think is the key thing. Thank you Randy for a very insightful uh, interview. Thank you viewers for watching. Copyright 2017, CFA Institute, all rights reserved. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regards to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.